Red Kite Prayer is hosting its first-ever event October 12th through 14th, 2018, the Red Kite Rendezvous. The two-and-a-half-day event will feature bikes from some of the industry's top frame builders, two gravel rides, some of the world's finest craft beers, which are brewed locally, plus enough food to make the pedaling fun. For more information or to register, go to redkiteprayer.com backslash store. The Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Celine Yeager, a.k.a. the Fit Chick from Bicycling Magazine. Each week, we take a look at different facets of how cycling fits into our lives. So how are you doing, Celine? I am doing quite well. How are you, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> um, I fall down, go boom. Um, <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, I... Um, That's not good. I'm not going to complain. I'm just not going to complain. You know, I went, I went something like almost 15 years with no real crashes. Um, and so, you know, I, I, in the last few years I have fallen a little more. Um, and I just, I think I got lucky for so long that I really take something like this in stride. Uh, I was on a mountain bike ride with my club. And I was climbing really well. Okay, we're just going to jump right in. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're on this mountain bike ride, and I'm following two buddies of mine, and, you know, went down, right? That's the long and the short, yep. uh, or at least the short. But no story is ever as simple as that. The thing is, I was climbing really well, and normally these guys roll away from me on the hills that we ride. Uh, mm -hmm. but I was right there. So, you know, I, and I was, because I was riding well, I really got determined, okay, I'm not going to let a gap open. And so when we got over the top of this one hill, I was just determined to stay right on them. You know, there's, there's no way they're going to open a gap on me. No flipping way. I am on these guys. We were on a relatively new trail, uh, as in cut in the last six months. Um, mm -hmm. and there was a layer of leaves on top of the mineral dirt. And when I went to, uh, went to turn because the trail turned because there was a tree in the way necessitating said turn, uh, the bike slipped out because cross country tires with small little knobs. Yep. <laughs> I was going fast enough that I didn't stop sliding until the bike hit the tree. <laughs> and that gave me a chance for a handy little reminder of just how powerful norepinephrine is. As I was mm -hmm. falling, and even before I hit the ground, so between, you know, moment, uh, event one and event two, um, I had this little tiny fraction of a moment to consider my possible fate. I love that. <laughs> the time slows down like the matrix, right? It's, yeah. It's so, it's so your brain can take in more frames per minute, yep. and you can process what's going on. Absolutely. It's just like the movie. It's yeah. an amazing, it doesn't stop. 
the inevitable from happening, really. Nope. You're, you're, nope. <laughs> nope. You just you just get to contemplate it, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Oh, so, look so at please. that dirt clod headed for my eye. Yeah. I, I love that it, as a right? Kid. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm on my way down. And what crossed my mind was, hmm, tree plus me could add up to broken bones. And even then I wasn't finished because the question in my mind was really, hmm, I wonder what's more likely, broken collarbone or broken ribs? <laughs> and then, mm. boom, I'm on the ground and sliding. Uh, and <laughs> as as I came to the stop with the bike between me and the tree, I was like, oh, handy thing, that, you know, chain ring up against tree trunk. Hey, mm. <laughs> honestly, I'm okay. I mean, I've got my, my so knees. You have none of the above. You'd have no broken ribs, no broken collarbone. Nothing broken. No broken. Yeah. Okay. I've got an owie on my knee. I've got a handy patch of road rash on my hip. And I've got an owie on my elbow. Uh, oh, and there's, it, it's funny. I didn't notice this on Sunday, but on Monday I noticed, oh, I've got a bruise on the inside of my uh, thigh. Um, Where it hit the top tube, probably, right? Yeah. Maybe? Uh, probably yeah. the saddle is what I'm thinking, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, but either way, yeah, it, it hits something. And, you know, now when it jiggles, it's like, oh, yeah, that's my favorite. Um, <laughs> you know, so, you know, the fact, you know, I've, I've it's only a flesh wound, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, the, the part. And maybe a mental wound. Well, that's the funny or thing. Or not is that for whatever reason, I've taken all of this in just incredible stride. It didn't ruffle my confidence. Uh, I mean, maybe a hair, but I rode out from where we were and where we were was pretty deep. You know, it was a, a good, a good 15 to 20 minutes of riding just to get back to the gate, to get me to the road. Um, well, adrenaline is actually a magical drug too, Right. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that guy in the tour rode 60K with a broken patella. I'm not saying that you were racing the tour, but I'm saying like you get up and like, it's amazing that you don't feel bad until quite a bit later. Like I was uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was uncomfortable. Uh, It's funny. You know, the guys pull, the guys behind me pull up. Oh, and that was the other thing was I'm laying there on the ground thinking, oh my gosh, I got to get out of the way. I got to get out of the way. They're going to run me over. And I start sliding my way out of the way and time's ticking by. And it's like, wow, we had a great gap. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) So even as I'm laying there bleeding, you know, I'm I'm thinking, wow, that was pretty cool. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we were going real fast. Yeah, I'm I'm almost rad. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I stood up and like it hurt enough that initially I just couldn't even talk. I was just trying to breathe you know, to hyperventilate and get a lot of oxygen, oxygen moving through my system, you right. know, hopefully help generate a little more endorphins at that point. Um, yeah. So you, you do what you can. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but I got out, got back to the car, drove home, um, and climbed in the shower and made some sounds mm, yeah, <laughs> or silently screamed, which is what I, I tend to do. Oh no. I, I <laughs> the mouth just, opens up and nothing comes out because you're in such pain. I've been a long time since I've had one of those. Yeah. This, okay. this was, there was a lot of grumbling as I scrubbed. <laughs> there was a lot of noise. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I got through all that. I, the, 
The thing that's on my mind, because there were certainly comments in social media afterward about, you know, well, maybe it's time to slow down. And I hate those. And I, I hate those. I would say it goes in one ear and out the other, but I recall people saying stuff like that. So it didn't quite go out the other ear. And here's people here. say stuff like that when I was like 26. <laughs> oh, you're going to be 30. Maybe it's time to. St- I mean, you know, like anyway, I'll let. Sorry. Yeah, please continue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a subject I've discussed previously, but it really remains one that truly interests me. And that is, you know, this whole notion of pushing yourself and pushing your abilities. Mm-hmm. Personally, you know, while I do want to age with some grace, I don't want to be a 60-year-old guy, and I'm not 60 yet, uh, but I don't want to be, you know, the 60-plus-year-old the out there trying to act like a 30-year-old. I want mm-hmm. to age with some grace. But at the same time, I have this fundamental belief that the moment I stop trying to expand what I know, what I can do, that's when I start to get old. I know I'm not Mm -hmm. as fast as I was when I was in my mid-30s. So obviously I've had to find other ways to try to grow as a person. You know, one of those has been my abilities on a mountain bike. I am technically, says the guy who just fell down, the best (laughs) mountain biker I have ever been in my whole life. My technical abilities have never been stronger. And I'm looking at ways that I can continue to expand that. And so it's something that, you know, when something like this happens, it's like, well, should I back off? And it's like, well, the consequences were really pretty low. If I'd broken my hip, we would be having a very different discussion right now. I'll admit Mm -hmm. that. Uh, I'd be thinking about, okay, well, this is going to take a while to heal. And once I do, I should probably be a little careful about this in the future. I can see how that would play out. But, you know, with the whole it's only a flesh wound sort of thing, I slow down. Why? So given who you are, um, that being, you know, the fit chick TM, uh, Mm -hmm. I'm really curious about you. You know, my knowledge of who you are and what you do is that in some sense, you're not slowing down. Okay. Even if you're not doing an Iron Man or whatever Iron Person this year, I want to hear your perspective on how you live your life and growing your fitness or finding other ways to continue to develop as a person. You know, I, I think the I think the beauty of my um, ADD as far as sports is concerned benefits me greatly because I don't tend to do the same things over and over again. And there's a uh, there's a real benefit, a hidden benefit to that, is mm-hmm. that you don't have a lot of cross comparison. Are you not looking back in the rearview mirror too much? Mm-hmm. You know, like um, I, I, I don't do the same series of races ten, over and over. Generally speaking, you know, I, there are events that I'll go to again and again. And you know, I'm I'm still sort of at an age where I haven't had to really look at like a lot of slowing down. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm probably not as fast on the top end or whatever, but because I'm in it endurance stuff that that mm-hmm. doesn't dwindle and so who knows you know i'm still figuring that ask rebecca rush i have no idea um <laughs> we're, we're both still in the, in the same ballpark there but but very seriously um but 
you know, like Iron Man was all about that. Like when I went into Iron Man, I just wanted to grow. I just wanted to try it because I had never done anything like that. Yeah. And I learned a ton about myself and I was pretty successful, but that wasn't really my point at the time. Um, you know, and then I got into ultra cross kind of stuff and the gravel thing. And it's just like an exploration and I grow through the exploration, you know, so doing the, the 213 mile ride across Michigan was a perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like that. I'd never done anything like that. I've done dirty Kansas, but this was a little different of an animal. It was an unknown. Um, I knew how to train, but I still learned some stuff. I learned actually a ton of stuff from it. Uh, so I, I find myself learning those ways by looking around for cool events and being like, oh, I'll try that. If it, if it captures my imagination, it means I'm growing, right? Like, yeah. So that's, that's my thing. And even if it means just like doing kind of the same thing in a different place, because it's still you're still encountering a different terrain and different temperatures and different people and different. And I feel like as long as you're still curious mm-hmm. and engaging, you're still growing. And that to me is like what, it's keeping me from getting stale or getting to that place where it's just like, oh, back in the day, you know, like mm-hmm. it. Uh, that's how I I live my life. And that's how I view that lens. And it's it's interesting because I was listening to. um you ever listen to Joe Rogan's podcast? It goes on for hours, days. The man talks for days on end. But, but it can be. I've checked out some, and I like him a lot. But it can be really engaging, right? And mm-hmm. he had on uh, Jesse Itzler, I believe it is. He had, he had like lived with a Navy SEAL, went to a, like a Buddhist thing, and lived like a Buddha for uh, a monk for fifteen days. You know, and that's sort of his um, vehicle for his books and stuff. But it's. It's interesting. He, he brings home a, a lot of, I, I find, like, super passionate and super interesting ideas from his experiences. And one of them that caught me this weekend that I was actually going to talk about on this podcast before I decided to talk about something else kind of <laughs> relates to this. And it's it's the Jap- what he said was the Japanese idea of misoji, which has been bastardized beyond belief. So please nobody write to me and say that this is misogy is not about this, but it, it's the Americanized version of misogy is doing one thing a year that is sort of out of your comfort, right? Like that is so hard that it transforms the other 364 days of the year. And I love that idea because okay, I kind of, because of, without even really knowing it, I kind of live my life that way. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it would be Cape Epic or whether it's Ironman or whether it's this 200 mile race across Michigan, um, I've always subconsciously attached myself each year to one goal that makes me stronger, better, smarter, wiser, something, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and it it keeps it just it's really it's always been a really important part of my life. And I've never really thought about it. But it now that I am getting older and looking sort of, you know, in the rearview mirror and ahead, I'm realizing how important that is to me. And listening to you, I think that's why, you know, because it allows you to get older without whatever your preconceived notion of old is. And I think you're right. Like old is sort of when you stop growing, mm-hmm. like an old tree stops growing and then it falls down. Right. And we like, we yeah. don't, yeah, yeah. So, and I so mean, what you're it. saying, yeah. you know, it fits with the, you know, we, we've talking about a growth mindset has come into vogue now, you know, a growth mindset versus a fixed one. And, you know, that, that ability to find novelty is one of the hallmarks of a growth mindset. And so it sounds like, you know, yeah, without 
deciding so explicitly uh, and putting a name to it, yeah, it sounds like you've been chasing that pretty convincingly. Um, I I don't know that I've I've done so at, in as conscious a fashion. Um, certainly, there were years where you know you could look at the events that I entered that year. And they were probably mostly the same events that I had entered the year before. Um, mm-hmm. But I was still trying to find something fresh with each of those. But more right. recently, yeah, I've been trying to go and do some other things uh, that are that are fresh experiences for me. That said, I'll, I'll still enter all the Bike Monkey and Grasshoppers that I can next year. <laughs> and that's something else, right? And I do that too, but they're more like reunions. It's just more yeah. like a, something yeah. that I love the event and I love the people of the event. And it's I'm getting something else from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, but I, I, then I still need that other thing. Yeah. yeah. Because I might actually notice myself slowing down at some of these events. And then, I don't know, that might bother me. You know, maybe like maybe it no, will, maybe it won't. No, but it won't. It, well, it will. Okay, I'll be honest. <laughs> It'll bother me. But but you know, if you challenge yourself in a new way, you have you you're not the yardstick is new. It's a brand new yardstick. Yeah, it really helps. I mean, there yeah. came a point after I moved from Southern California up here to Santa Rosa. Every single ride. I went on after my third ride in a given place, you know, I was setting PRs constantly. I, you know, I could ride to my kid's school and set a PR and it was like, oh, good grief. It was embarrassing because, you know, people are commenting on this stuff going, dude, 18 PRs. It's like, well, I've only done that ride one other time and I was soft pedaling it, you know. My personal best every time. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, there was a, a funny thing of, of being sort of embarrassed that my experience was still so new. Um, and I'm continuing, you know, anytime I do a road that I haven't been on that much, don't have memorized yet, I come home, you know, and there's there's something up there, a second or third, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's handy to have... Um, at times a lack of history so that you can yes. have that fresh experience. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, what do you got? What do I have? Yeah. Did you happen to watch the criterium races that were part of this year's CrossFit games in Madison this morning? I'm, I'm going to go with no, um, but <laughs> I'm, I'm going to back up beyond the no. And, and would you say that again? CrossFit <laughs> games? Cross, do you know? Okay, so let's let's go all the way back. CrossFit has its own sort of like championship competition, um, and it's it's unbelievable. They are uh, they are rowing twenty six miles on their gometer, probably as we speak. It's a four hour time limit on this thing, and that will be the fourth thing they do today. The day that started with a criterium race on bicycles that were given to them by Trek for clipped in. With people who have never maybe even ridden clipped in, except when they got a practice a couple days ago. Uh, uh, okay, okay, sure. Uh, continue, please. Uh, you have yeah, piqued I, I, my interest. As if that is not mind-blowing enough. Okay, so, and last year they did a cyclocross race. So this is not, this whole bike thing to them is not totally new. 
Um, it was funny, leading into it, I actually wrote a piece on triathlon tips for the CrossFit Games because we were convinced that they were going to be doing a triathlon uh, because a lot of the people on their Instagram feeds, a lot of the professional CrossFitters, and that, yes, there is such a thing, um, we're, we're, doing, we're doing like triathlon races and swimming and stuff because I think that a rumor had gone through the community that that's what this year's surprise challenge was going to be. Um, and it wasn't. It was a criterium, which I think is worse. As far as or like, better, depending on your taste for bloodshed. Well, Criterium is <laughs> a four corner course, Patrick. With uh, oh, I see what you're saying. I see, yeah. depending on like my as a viewer, mm -hmm. I was talking about the poorer people can participate. I can see it. how you might be viewing this through the lens of the participant a little more than yeah. I would. I, I am totally viewing it through. Um, but it was actually, it was kind of amazing to watch. I was, I was so, totally transfixed by it. Um, you know, so obviously I ride a bike. I do a fair amount of racing. But if I'm honest, I have never been one for crit racing because uh, it's sketchy, especially when you're first learning how to do it <laughs> and moving yeah. up the ranks, right? It's super sketchy. People are hitting buildings, they're hitting bales, they're hitting the ground. Um, and Each other? hitting. <laughs> <laughs> hitting you, um, hitting the pavement at as we probably know, or trees at high speeds is is not fun. Um, crossing on a mountain bike across country, the race course or a cross course isn't fun either. But I, I have a little higher tolerance for that. But that's not exactly what I'm saying here. Sure. Um, I'm I, yeah. I'm just saying that like wow, a criterium course in these games, I had to watch it. Um, I've also, I have also, let me say, done CrossFit. Um, I actually spent this past winter going, I, of course I have. I spent this winter going several times a week and I came out with a whole newfound appreciation for a sport that I, like so many, used to kind of mock. Um, it's extremely athletic. It's extremely supportive. That community is extremely supportive, extremely welcoming. I mean, no, it is real. The genuine welcomingness in that community is unbelievable. And you're watching people. It's humbling beyond belief. Like, I'm watching people walk on their hands. I'm watching, like, stuff I can't even, I'm, try, I'm not even going to try to walk on my hands. I'm trying just to get up on a handstand to do a handstand push-up. That's not going to happen either. I, they're very athletic. They're very impressive. And they're very open to new, new people. Like, you come in and there's no, like, looking down at you like, Oh, you're whatever, right? Anyway, so this year, they were surprised with a 10-lap criterium race around a four-corner, 1,200-meter course as the opening challenge. That was the first thing. Bing, bing, bing. Get bell goes off. That's the Good morning, <laughs> contestants. Right? That's crazy. Um, many of them didn't even actually have real bikes. They had like they they in the real life like Trek provided all the bikes all the shoes so they like they all were wearing yellow shoes which was amazing to watch too, um, black helmets and they did have I saw it, Dean Gore which is the vice president of Trek yep. and former national champion in Criterium gave them a briefing you know with all kinds of tips like hold your line in the corners use your gears for momentum you know draft but don't overlap tires. Um, they broke it down to them really – it was super interesting to listen to. They broke it down in CrossFit terms for them. So they're like, the straightaways are kind of like Tabatas. You know, go really, really hard. But then you want to recover in the corners and then do that 40 times. You know, because it's like <laughs> – <laughs> right? It's awesome. And they had – 
practice runs. They were able to get on course. They had some coaches helping them on course. So they didn't just go into this blind. You know, they, they, they were able to at least get an idea of what a bicycle was and how to clip in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much stuff that you don't know, like racing under pressure in a pack of 40 for zero. Um, okay, that was my next at, question was how yeah, many warm bodies were out there? 40. Okay. Is this mixed field men and women? No, the men had their own ways and the women had their own race. Okay. Um, but 40 you know, per. Th- they, 40 per uh, okay. and yeah, 10 laps. They, they uh, yeah, on strange bikes, shoes, helmets, etc. The, the CrossFit Games director, Dave Castro, his last words of wisdom to them were don't crash. Like, he's <laughs> like, there's a high possibility of crashes. Don't crash. Uh, I don't want you guys to crash because it's the first event, right? They don't, he doesn't want like the stars yeah. crashing out. Right. Uh, uh, to what, be honest, go ahead. I, were they on like Madones or something, carbon fiber? Or did they put them on something aluminum, you know, that wouldn't just immediately explode if they did go down? That's an awesome question. Um, I don't know the answer to that. I'd have to look up what actual bikes that they were given. They were, they all look the same. I, they none no bikes exploded. They did drop a lot of chain. There were a couple chain drops. One guy's pedal came off on his shoe, which was amazing because he just la- slammed his foot on the ground and it popped right off. <laughs> um, they could. There were four places where they could have a bike exchange, so they could just run and give them the bike that they couldn't get the chain back on and get another bike. Um, I mean, chain it, drops and pedal losses. That that's bad assembly. That's not like oh, you're a CrossFitter, you don't know your way around a bike. Well, the chain drops, there might have been some pilot error there. Um, I, it looked like a little pilot error here and there. The pedal coming off is not pilot error. That's some kind of mechanical error. And I don't, mm. I, I can't, I don't know where to point that finger because I don't know who put, you know, I have no idea. Right. Um, but the whole thing, to be very, very honest, they, it may, it was really great racing. Like it was really, you could tell they totally, like, you know, people are, like, flying off the front a little bit. And you could tell, like, they didn't totally understand, like, you want to sit back and draft maybe for the first, you know, it, it took a while mm-hmm. for them to get that idea. But it was, uh, you know, there were some really hard, terrible crashes that were hard to watch. Like, you, they didn't clearly understand not locking up your front wheel, like, grab those, yeah, couple nose wheelies and sideways and some things that you just, I was just like, oh, that's terrible. But, but all in all, it was really good racing. And it was, it was, it left just this big impression on me. Like, in one way, it was just so cool to watch this whole new demographic take a stab at the sport that we are so, mm-hmm. you know, it's like this sport that we know so well, like crit racing, like there's in every town, right? But yep. so many people have no idea what a crit is. So, and even like the announcers are like talking about these skinny wheels and they're like all this stuff that you need to know and then clipping in and using your gears. And it was, it was just really cool to see how many people were engaging with it? Like the CrossFit Games Facebook page, when I went to watch some of the replay stuff, already had 959,000 views. Oh, yeah, that's an audience. <laughs> Tens of thousands of people watched it live, like 40,000 people. Wow. Like wow. as it was happening, right? Okay. Impressive. So I feel, I feel like road racing has been... You know, and it has this reputation, and for a reason, it's been so unwelcoming for so many years. You know, I remember the first time I went into a race was 1997. I remember it. And I had, like, 
a performance tank top on and performance shorts and I wasn't supposed to be wearing the tank top and somebody laughed at me because he said I look like a little gorilla on a bike because I had such a muscular upper body and I'm like that's a good way to get athletic people who want to try your sport to never come back yeah so um it was you know like the like it was so cool to watch because here's a whole mess of people who some of them might actually want you know, thought that this was really cool. People watching might thought, wow, it's kind of cool. I want to be willing to learn our sport and participate in our sport if we are willing to be inclusive with people, you know. Yeah. And in, yeah. Um, you know, I get that you need to, like, people can be dangerous in a crit if they're newbies and stuff, but, like, there's so much snobbery that keeps you out before you're even... A threat? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. 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 Well, and it's, it also, yeah, go ahead. It sounds like, I mean, your description of this, it sounds like, you know, to, for people with no real advanced knowledge being thrown into a criterion, it sounds like a lot of them were fairly quick studies, you know? They did well. And they even said that. It was interesting. They were talking, the announcers were like, these are, and it's true, they're like, they're super athletic people. He's like, they, the, once they have a chance to like learn the shifting and the gears and, oh, this is how you anticipate the shift. And, you know, a lot of them picked it up really quickly because mm-hmm. they've got great proprioception. They've got a lot of stuff that you need. Um, so it's just a matter of picking up those other things. And, yeah, bike handling is a little hard. But, you know, they, it, it, a lot of them were very quick studies. And you could, you could clearly see that some of them had more experience than others, you know, like probably rode outside of today, you know, but um, yeah, it was cool. But it also made me think of another thing that sort of dovetails with what we were saying earlier, and I think about a lot, is the learning of skills and the practicing and honing of skills. Mm -hmm. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, I think skills practice is something that most riders, myself included, probably don't do a lot of. Um, You know, we do intervals, we do hill work, we ride the trainer, but unless we consciously do skill work, we can end up being a lot like those CrossFit athletes, right? Like mad fit and super whatever, but not optimum handling or not the best handling that we could even have for ourselves. And I'll do some on my mountain bike because it's kind of fun to go at the mountain bike park, but skill work on a on my road bike, like I'd love to corner like a missile. I'd love to go downhill like you see. Some of those guys, that's just like, zoom, zoom. But how do you get there? Like, you know, I mean, you have to be able, it means riding edges that, frankly, I'm not super comfortable with. You mm-hmm. know, like to push, mm-hmm. like how far do you push before you say, eh, I'm good enough. You know, or like, how, sure. I know you talk about practicing in grass fields and sort of that's better. But I don't know. I, th- I think I feel, I feel like a lot of people face that same dilemma. Like they have this desire to improve that thing. But they're maybe scared to to work on it, or they or they don't even think about skill practice because they just want to go out and, and like ride and get their miles in. So I'm just like, I'm wondering what you think, like what your experience of that is, unless you go to a team, unless you go to a camp or have a coach. Like I I don't know. There's so much to be gained that way. Some years back, I found out that Richard Brine, the CEO of Speedplay, uh, the <laughs> veteran inventor. That dude has invented so much stuff. Uh, in addition to being a really creative, bright mind on an engineering front, he's a pretty fantastic bike handler. And he's not a bad educator either. And some years back when 
Dave Zabriskie was riding for CSC, Bjarne Reese's team. Mm-hmm. He saw Zabriskie crash uh, in one of the time trials. Might have been the prologue, but in a time trial. Saw him crash. And Richard is so sharp that he looked at the situation and went, oh, Dave doesn't really know how to corner. Huh. And he was a sponsor of the team. I mean, CSC is how Speedplay broke into the pro peloton. That was their mm-hmm. entry. Um, and so he was talking to Bjarni Reese uh, about something, you know, having to do with their sponsorship. And he said, oh, you know, by the way, um, yeah, Dave doesn't know how to corner. Uh, if you ever want to work <laughs> on that sometime, you know, just just let me know. And somehow the situation was uh, was created where he was able to go and spend a little time at one of the camps with Zabriskie working on cornering skills and working on falling and all these different things. And the next time that he was in touch with Reese, uh, he said to, uh, to Richard, you know, Holy cow, what did you do with Zabriskie? And, you know, he was really blown away with how much Zabriskie's skills had come along during that one session or one weekend, whatever it was. Hmm. So, some years back, I went down to San Diego to spend a Saturday with Richard and go through the clinic that he taught all the CSC riders after a while. Yeah. There came a point where he was like, I want you to do that to all my riders. And he would be at team camps and take them through it. And, you know, it was, it was all the basics, you know, how to, how to set up for a corner, how to look through the corner, at what point you apex, just all sorts of things, leaning uh, leaning exercises where you mm-hmm. you're riding along and just leaning oh, yeah. shoulder yeah, to shoulder. Yeah. I've done those. <laughs> yep. And uh, even falling exercises. He grabbed a you know an old mattress, uh, put it in a grass field, and your job was to ride up, lock up the brakes, and just fall over on it without taking your hands off the bar. And in my personal case, that was stupid hard. I it is so I, in my I, nature I, that to take a hand. Really hard to me. It's just so yeah, in my nature to pull really a hand off and put it out to brace myself. It's how I broke uh, broke my arm in whatever that was, ninth grade, 10th grade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I had to keep at it. I had to try it so many times before I was able to just clunk with my hands, both still in the drops. Uh, That's an interesting exercise. And I, the thing, I, I, yeah. It, and, you know, it's one of those things where I pride myself on my skills. But even after that, it made me reanalyze some of what I did. It changed how I do some things. And I, you know, I would, I think this was something that more clubs really took an active role in, in years gone by. And I, I, you know, I don't see the same effort in clubs now, I'm not going to say that it doesn't happen, but I don't see it happening to the same degree as I used to, you know, how to pedal through a corner. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's something that I see. Oh, yeah. a whole there were some riders. There were some clipped pedals. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, you know, I'm looking for a circumstance where I can go to a mountain bike skills clinic. Uh, it's something that I'd like to do. And I've just been looking for the right circumstance, but you know, I know that, I've got a lot of the basic motor skills to be able to huck more than I huck. I'm not a very, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't huck much. 
Um, <laughs> uh, my, my airtime can be counted in milliseconds, not seconds. So yeah, I, I, I am a believer in working on skills. Um, you know, so I, I, it's something I'd like to see out there a whole lot more. But to go back to one other thing that you mentioned, and I just want to reinforce and applaud is, you know, when you were talking about how inclusive and welcoming the CrossFit mm-hmm. community is to athletes. And, you know, for, for all the kidding that we may do about developing a kind of strength that I can't imagine how you're going to use outside of a CrossFit workout, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I mean, it's like, I, I don't really want to be a part-time ninja. It would right. occasionally be cool, but I don't work that hard to impress my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, so yeah, we, we can, we have at times kidded about, you know, the nature of what CrossFit is, but there's something to really be applauded in terms of their inclusivity. And, you know, every time I can point at something else and say, see, we don't have to be jerks to the new guy on the ride. I, I like to do that. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, well, you're going to have to cough up a link that we can include in the show notes. I want to go check this out. Oh, I, definitely. I, I definitely need to I see this. And not, yeah. you know, this is not schadenfreude. I'm not looking for the first bloodshed. I just want to see how it went. And I'm. No, it's cool. You should watch it. I, you know, what I really, what I hope to be able to see is a rider who looked like they were flailing on the first lap, start to put it together on the last lap. Oh, that, yeah. That would be be a really fun thing to, to observe, you know, see that light go on for somebody. Very cool. Yeah. All righty. Oh, uh, um, you know, before we get on to the pace line picks, now that we've done this stuff, we need to go back and uh, congratulate, thank, compliment. I don't, I don't quite know which the verb is that we want to do, but one of our listeners last week created a really neat little meme that you oh, forwarded yeah. to me. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's lovely. Yeah, I'm well, looking right at it. Why don't you describe it for everybody? You know, the home audience who can't see it. It'll be in the show notes, I promise. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's just, it looks like just a, a group of very random cyclists. I can't, because there's a fat bike. It could be any given thing, right? It's a fat bike. It yeah. looks like a hybrid and a road bike. Like all, and I think that's kind of, I didn't notice that before, but it kind of links in with the message that we, that we had. It is um, the perfect shot. Yeah, I didn't even notice that before. Um, because what they did was then juxtaposed over top of that a quote and that was from your poll um that says if i ask you to go for a ride it's with you not against you it's because i want to enjoy your company for a few hours the paceline podcast it's not always a competition that's the hashtag um and it was just so sweet i thought that was really sweet so that's i saw that and i was just like oh that's great so i sent it over to you yeah Yeah. you know the thing about this i mean i don't I don't need the, the, the pick me up for my ego or anything, but, you know, to have something that we've shared that I genuinely believe and see that enjoy a life beyond our immediate listeners to try to encourage other people. It's like, wow, that, that really fills me with, uh, uh, some happiness. 
Yeah, that was cool. Made my day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, blew me away when you shared it with me. Oh, okay. Uh, Paceline picks? Sure. I have one. Um, it is, it's not super cycling related, but uh, I just got it and I love it and I use it in conjunction with some bicycling stuff. So here we go. It is a Marshall Kilburn Bluetooth speaker. So it's like, it looks like a miniature Marshall amp. <laughs> but it's actually okay. Yeah, it's got the leather strap handle and everything. The thing uh-huh. is amazing. Um, a, a couple friends of mine have had them and loved them. So I was like, all right. Like Amazon Prime had that sale and it was under two hundred bucks. So I'm like, I'm gonna reward myself for something. I don't know what. So I pushed it because um, I, I I not only am a music lover and I also listen to a lot of podcasts, but I am constantly. Because I'm on my rollers when I'm doing stuff with podcasts and music, I'm, and there's a lot of ambient noise often, I'm always looking for a good Bluetooth speaker. I also, we like to have people in the backyard. I like to have an impromptu dance party here and there. Um, but there's, none of them have good fidelity, and you can't really turn them up loud because they don't go loud enough or the trouble is terrible. This has, it goes, it's lovely. It goes, it goes very loud. 11. and you. Yeah, exactly. It goes to 11. And you can adjust the bass and the treble separately. And uh, it lasts 20 hours battery life. So wow, like this is Yeah, right. Um, So yeah, that is a it was a steal at less than 200 bucks. And it just it also just looks badass. So that is my pick for the week. If if you like me are always looking for something that that can play over the sound of your trainer or your rollers and all that stuff and uh, not distort everything. Yeah. So it's a lovely yeah. thing. Yep. Handy, handy thing. I've got a Bluetooth speaker I use when I'm, uh, well, all sorts of situations, but especially when I'm working on bikes. Um, yeah, I love them. I, I used to use, uh, uh, you know, earbuds and there were just too many times where they got ripped out of my ears because I turn and it got yep. caught on a lever or a pedal. Yep. <laughs> so yep. I had to stop that. That had to end. Yeah. Been there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, what, uh, my, what do you have? <laughs> my pick is also not actually specifically a cycling product. Uh, it's used by cyclists, <laughs> especially racers, and it's mm. used with the kind of devotion that musicians uh, reserve for a great pair of headphones. But like I said, it's not made specifically for cyclists. The product, 3M Corporation's Tegaderm. Love it. I have used it. Works like magic. <laughs> it could be a cycling product, yes. Yeah, they, they could put a picture of a bike on it and, you know, everybody yeah. would get it. You know, when I went down this past weekend and after I got out of the shower and after I started stopped making sound, I, I had this funny excitement. I, I don't want to say giddy, but I was a little bit excited at the prospect of having this gigantic sheet. I mean, we're talking roughly seven inches of by 10 inches of Tegaderm to cover That's up a the, piece of notebook paper. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. All Quite right. a bit and more expensive. Picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, you know, but I had this patch of road rash on my hip. Everything else was, you know, little and, you know, a bandage here or a yeah. gauze pad there. That's fine. But, you know, there's this patch of road rash on my hip. Is it trail rash if it's on dirt? Uh, I, yeah. Ground rash. But it's, it's a little bit bigger than my hand. Uh, and a couple of years ago, I had a crash uh, up in Idaho, of all places, that resulted in a lot of road rash. So, like, when I got home from that and I was just fed up with taping gauze to my body, I went online and bought a whole package of these sheets. Um, 
And I did so, you know, it was a big investment. I want to say north of 50 bucks for, for the package. It was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, even as I was making the purchase, there was this hope that I would never need them again. But I knew that probably at some point I would actually. So here's the thing about Tegaderm. And I, I mentioned this because I'm constantly amazed at the number of cyclists I run across who've never heard of this stuff. I mean, I, I bonded with a girlfriend over Tegaderm. That's how we met. <laughs> we were at Ragbri riding along and she's, oh, I've got, I went down on a crit. I've got a little Tegaderm on my elbow. And I was like, that stuff is the best thing ever. Ended up spending the whole rest of the day just riding and talking with her. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Uh, so, you know, you, you've seen it and worked with it, Celine. You know, it's this big, clear plastic sheet with an adhesive. It, it really couldn't be simpler. Uh, I, and I tell you, it seems like most of what you're paying for is packaging. There's a reasonably elaborate collection of envelopes and waxed paper backings to make sure you don't stick it to itself like so much electrical tape. Yes, but once you get it on, the stuff is so wonderful. Nothing is getting in or out for a week. And, yep. I, you know, I just that I can still say to people, oh, did you do you have some Tegaderm for that for that? And they're like, what? You know, and and actually part of the problem is, you know, you used to be able to find small sheets of Tegaderm, small boxes of, of small sheets at most drugstores. Can't yeah, find I got it mine anywhere. At CVS. Wow. Okay. Yeah. California, not so much. Um, You know, but there used to be when I was living in the South Bay, there was a medical supply store, you know, the place you went for crutches and canes and wheelchairs Mm -hmm, and all that. mm -hmm. And they had a lot of Tegaderm, but not the very biggest sheets. So when when I went down that, you know, a couple of years ago, I was like, I am buying some big ass sheets. Uh, Stuff's not cheap, you know, but it comes in a lot of different sizes and I am just, because of this stuff, I am so much more comfortable than I would be otherwise, you know, and I can shower, you know, without going through with what I deal with on my knee every day. <laughs> so, yep. uh, yeah, big vote for Tegaderm. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. And folks, please don't fall. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of The Pace Line. What are you up to this weekend, Celine? I am going up north to uh, Port Jervis, and it's Single Speed USA, which is the, you know, you get in a costume and you'd race your single speed and somebody maybe comes home with a tattoo or whatever. (laughs) So, yeah, um, it's going to be a it's going to be a fun weekend up in uh, Port Jervis. I think it's I don't even know what state because where the tri-state area blends. I think it's New York. It's very close. It's only an hour and a half from us. But it's like this really cool watershed that's uh, really, really fun to to race around. I've done other races up there. So that's my weekend. I've heard good things about that. Uh, You you must share. What are you going to dress up as? I don't know yet. It just like I it, it just occurred to me today. I was like, I need to come up with a costume. I have a um I have a twister dress. It looks like a twister board. So I might <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking that that could be the that could be the ticket. Wait, um, you don't have a Wonder Woman costume in your closet? I I do not. That would be so cliché. No, I do not have a Wonder Woman. I have a Batgirl. I have like I have a Carmen Miranda, but I've been Carmen Miranda a couple times and you can only like how many times can you do that? Um, I don't know, every year? 
Yeah, you could, but I, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking a, tw- a twister board. Uh, I, I do we'll, like that. I'll let you know. Well, you're yeah. going to need a spinner. I have a spinner. I have it. I have it. I just have to be able to put on my helmet, but I can do that. I'll, I'll fix it. Okay. Under my helmet. Yeah. Pictures. We will need pictures next week. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. There you have it. Cool. And yourself? Yourself? Will you be dressing up this weekend? Uh, no, not dressing up. Uh, I'll be dressing wounds. Um <laughs> Hey. <laughs> ching. Mr. Uh, Tagaderm. Yeah. Uh, I'm headed to Denver and then on up to Copper Mountain to do a ride this weekend called the Copper Triangle. I've been hearing about this loop for years. And uh, due to an offer from an old friend, uh, I'm unable to continue to dodge it. And I say dodge because, you know, you start at like 7,000 feet, 8,000 feet. And you go over three different passes. You climb to above 10,000 feet. Fortunately, the whole wow. ride is is only 6,000-ish feet of climbing, which is really doable okay. for me. But at altitude, you know, I'm going to be the guy going four, mile, four miles per hour on a 5% grade. I, I will be that guy. Um, so is it, anybody, is it uh, organized or just with friends? I yeah, no, it's that. it's an organized event. Um, there's okay. this whole weekend built around it. Uh, they've got some, you know, special VIP experience for people who want to take part in that. But, you know, it's, you know, the basis of it is this ride. And I've just been hearing that this is one of the best loops in all of Colorado. Uh, yeah, so awesome. I'm finally going to get my, my taste of it. And I figure I'll have a more thorough experience with it than most people because I'll be out there longer than most people. <laughs> There's that. Yes. A lot of, a lot of uh, scenery for your, for your money, for your yeah. entry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's too bad that Amazon, where I got the Tegaderm, doesn't also have EPO because, man, I really, this, this altitude thing is not my favorite. <laughs> Okay. Well, hey, before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for my other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry Gross for the bike set. This week's guest is Mark Danucci, who is probably one of the finest builders on the planet. Former North American Handmade Bicycle Show Best in Show winner, among other things. Finally, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.